ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Nick Grunlin, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I can't complain at all. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's exciting to you know kind of be able to share my story, and um, you know, people are interested, they can click on the link and uh, find out what we're talking about. Well, I'm I'm happy to have you. Uh, you know, we communicated back and forth quite a bit. You were having some physical issues, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I got you on here because uh, I've watched some of your career and seen some of the amazing things that you've done. And I know that your story doesn't get out there, but to your close knit group. And I want to make sure everybody hears it. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll, uh, I got lots of stories to tell. That's for sure. So let's go back a little bit. Yeah, I was reading a little bit in your bio, uh, Sweden. You you grew yeah. up there. How old were you when you came to um, Southern California? Um, actually, I came to Northern California first. I. Um, I was born and raised in, in just outside of Stockholm. Um, my parents met racing cars. They're in a car club. My, actually, my, my mom's father uh, used to race an old Saab and a Volvo back in the day. And then uh, my mom was racing a Mini Cooper, the original Mini Coopers, not these little you know new BMWs that they call Mini Cooper. We're talking <laughs> like original with little 10 inch, 10 inch wheels and tires on them, you know? Right. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so that's how. Um, you know, my mom used to go with her dad, my grandpa, to the races, and uh, then she started racing, and then that's, that's how she met my father. And um, they got together and, you know, had a couple kids, and, you know, racing was in my blood. I remember getting drug out, you know, wintertime, because Stockholm, Sweden, it's about the same, was it, long, longitude as uh, Anchorage, Alaska. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we got, you know, long, long cold winters and lots of snow. And uh, summertime is pretty amazing because, um, you know, the sun will actually, it will never set. If you go a little, you know, a few hours north and you can drive at four o'clock in the morning with no headlights on your car. And um, it's still, you know, kind of a dusk thing. So it's, it's, um, it was definitely fun growing up. I remember going out in the woods, watching rally racing, um, trekking out there, standing for hours and hours to watch cars come by, flying by. And, um, you know, and then we'd go somewhere else and, um, Folk race was another thing that was really fun. It's kind of the, the beginning of uh, of the rally cross. But the, the thing with folk race was the car couldn't be worth more than like, say, $500. So after every race, any car that raced was up for sale. So you couldn't trick it out and spend all this money on it. Um, if you wanted to get in, into the racing, you just have your $500. You go up and, you know, oh, that guy got second. That car looks good. I'll buy that one. And, and you have to sell it. Um, that way it just kept a level playing field for everybody else and nobody could have a put extra money in their motor or better tires or things like that. And, um, then, uh, yeah, just motocross, um, growing up watching, uh, we have some Swedish, uh, you know, GP world championships, um, people that was kind of in my, clo- in my hometown and, uh, yeah, just growing up in motorsports. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty much, you know, I've got, you know, gasoline in my blood. There you go. We all bleed oil. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, like every kid, you know, they want a dirt bike and I just kept bugging my mom and bugging my mom about it. And, you know, I had my, 
BMX bikes and, and all that stuff. And um, finally, I got my 1982. I got a YZ80. And I believe that was the first year they, where they put the, uh, the radiator. Uh, first year water cooled. The radiator was on the handlebars. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah, so that was good times. And um, yeah, just started, you know, started riding dirt bikes. And uh, my mom was, you know, single mom. My parents got divorced when I was four. So she worked, you know, really hard. And uh, totally supported any type of racing. And, you know, she would take me to the races or I would go with my grandparents. Um, but the main thing was uh, she'd drive me to the races. And, you know, thinking back, she probably worked swing shift, didn't even go to bed, you know, come home, pick me up and take me to the races. Um, and just talking about, like, commitment to ride or the need to ride. Um, I used to um, I used to ride my buddies. and like, hey, you want to go ride my dirt bike? Well, the closest place was maybe like five, five to eight miles away. And would literally push my dirt bike down the sidewalk to get to a dirt field in Stockholm where we were allowed to ride. And we would uh, basically just, you know, ride until we ran out of gas and then we'd push it back. And, um, you know, we'd spend probably more time pushing the thing back and forth than we actually did riding it. But that's, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, growing up, that's what we did. You know, we didn't have all these, you know, distractions like, you know, we have nowadays with, you know, five, or again, in Sweden, we had, know three tv stations and they were on from like 5 p.m to 11 p.m that was it um so for us it was a matter of getting out and and you know getting that adrenaline of riding a dirt bike and that's kind of how it all started and then um skipping forward a little bit um racing started racing a little more and more and um sweden has a, a lot of crazy rules to where you you know you can only ride an 80 cc dirt bike up until you're 16 years old well I was about 14, 15 years old, about, you know, 220, 230 pounds on a little, on a little YZ80. Uh. Um, yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, and uh, I would kind of sneak away on the side and ride a, a 125 for a while. And then when we, um, we traveled to the U.S. back and forth a few times, we had some family, uh, not family, we had lots of friends. My mom knew some people. And I want, one of the trips, um, I ended up buying a uh, Tri-Z, a Yamaha three-wheeler when they first came out, I believe it was 83, 84, I believe they came out. Uh, um, 85 and, actually. 85. Was it that? Okay. It must've yeah. been right before I moved them because, uh, I remember we brought, we brought one home. I was the only one in Sweden with the Yamaha three wheeler. Uh, there's one other person that had imported a Honda three wheeler, a 250R. And, um, I would take to the local motocross track and nobody really knew what to do with me. I'm out there, you know, this little chubby kid riding around on, the, on this three wheeler out there and, you know, <laughs> just having a good time. And, um, yeah, then, uh, my mom and, uh, you know, my sister and I decided to, uh, you know, we wanted to move to America. So we uh, packed up a van. My mom had bought a, a Chevy van and we packed it up pretty much whatever we wanted and, and then, uh, put it on the boat and shipped it over. So that's pretty much all our things. Then we ended up flying to New York, hopping on the, uh, uh, hopping on a plane, meeting the boat. And uh, we got our van out and, uh, we drove cross country to California and, uh, set up shop in San Jose. That is that is quite a story. How long yeah, did the whole journey from leaving to to getting uh, to California take? Well, the boat took about six weeks, but we actually we we dropped the boat off and then um, took a train. We actually had to go to Gothenburg, which is on the uh, on the west coast of of Sweden, and Stockholm's kind of on the east coast, more of the Baltic on the Baltic seaside. So uh, we actually drove to Gothenburg, dropped the van off, and then took a train back home. And then um, I don't quite remember what we did, you know, but we pretty much flew. We got a plane and we landed, you know, within a day or two of the of the actual the boat getting to New York. And then we went through customs. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And we, um, yeah, picked it up and then drove across the country. Um, so, you know, we're talking maybe a week of actual travel time, but it was about six, seven weeks, you know, with moving the van and things like that. But uh, crazy thing is I still have some of the tools in my personal toolbox that I brought with me from Sweden. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a few wrenches I still have left, uh, yeah, a pair of pliers uh, and some wrenches I still have that, you know, I, I did bring from Sweden. So I've had these tools for, you know, 35 years now. Um, so it's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. That is pretty cool. How old are you now? Actually, I just turned 50. Wow. You're, you're, you're a little younger than me. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, you know, but we, we, we've seen the, I've seen the rice and the fall. So yeah. And then just kind of jumping back in. Um, yeah, moved to, uh, yeah, lived in San Jose, started, uh, I was so excited to get off the the 80s. <laughs> um, I jumped straight into a KX250 and uh, up in Bay Area. We had quite a few tracks to race up in Northern California. Big Lance was up in Fremont. I went Hollister Hills, Sacramento Raceway, Marysville. Um, quite a few, not too many places to ride, but to race. There's a few tracks within not that far distance. So uh, I started racing the KX250, then I moved up to a KX500. And uh, I would do the the CMC races were were really big back then, and uh, the Golden State Nationals and the Transcals, and um, yeah, I was racing that. I was moving up to intermediate, uh, was, which nowadays they would call it expert, I think, um, on the on the dirt bikes, and um, it, it maybe even like I would say maybe two months after I first came here, I was racing, um, and I, I hurt my knee for the first time in in um, in nineteen eighty, probably late eighty five, early eighty six. Um, and that's pretty much where, you know, sitting here today, I'm still dealing with knee issues, but, um, yeah, I just had a few knee issues racing dirt bikes and some of my friends, um, transitioned over to quads now, um, were, uh, were racing quads. I used to give them a little hard time. Um, and we're talking, this is 86. So the, the Suzuki was out, the Honda 250R just came out. My buddy bought it, you know, bought one and um, I was kind of giving him a hard time and we'd go riding and I'd hop on one now and then. I'm like, yeah, I used to have a three-wheeler. So I, I adapted fairly easily to him when we got riding in the, um, on the local riding areas. And at one point we're at a, a race and my friend crashed and um, he hurt himself a little bit. So he goes, hey, Nick, you're about the same size as me. Could you ride, ride my quad and just give me some points? So I ended up putting on his riding gear and hopped out. and. Um, and it's probably like novice class. Uh, and um, I went out, I think I got third or fourth. You know, I wasn't battling for the lead, but I, you know, I held my own. I'm like, that was kind of fun. And a um, couple things here and there, I'd, I'd ride one now and then with my friends. And um, I remember I was racing uh, at, uh, in Carlsbad at the Golden State Nationals down in Carlsbad, California. That was a pretty fun track. And um, I ended up hurting my other knee. So now already having a few knee surgeries on my left knee and then hurting my right knee. I was like, man, this is crazy because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm six three, six four. I was probably back then. I was six four. Now I'm shrinking. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was like, you know, these quads, you know, you have to put, you don't have to put your leg out. Kind of crazy. So um, I went out and bought an LT five hundred, and we talked. This is probably late eighty seven, early eighty eight, and I bought an eighty seven LT five hundred, and because um, again, I was a big boy and. Um, you know, I figured the 500 was a pretty, you know, the quadzilla, um, you know, it can have too much power. And I started racing that. And, you know, within a year or two, I started in the junior class. I won a few of those. And I moved up to expert class. I was winning that. And I remember back in those days, you'd go line up and you'd have a line of 30 pros. 
And, you know, this is back when, you know, Gary Denton, uh, Donnie Banks, uh, Charlie Shepard, all those guys are on the lines, Kenneth Bell, John Neary, yep. <clears throat> all these guys are on the line. And, and um, I remember um, the 500 class wasn't the most popular. So sometimes they would start us on a second gate. And at that point, I'd had moved up to intermediate, which, again, I guess you call it expert nowadays. And um, I would run down and catch half of the front gate. And at that point, everybody's dream was to race the stadium, the Mickey Thompson Grand Prix races. And um, at that point, there's so many ATV races, you actually had to like submit a resume <laughs> to get accepted just to try to qualify. And um, I was really excited. And um, I applied to Anaheim. I didn't get accepted. And then and we're talking, this would be 1989. Yeah, 1989. And um, San Diego, they're like, congratulations, you got a spot to qualify. And I'm like, great. But I had LT500. <laughs> you couldn't race 500s in the stadiums. <laughs> so I ran down to my local Honda shop and picked up a brand new 89 250R. And I want to say it was like $3,200, brand new out the door. And um, yeah, showed up at, uh, I think I rode it once, uh, called my buddy, borrowed a set of Nerf bars and some turf tamers. And uh, actually, I believe. I had a Paul Turner pipe. I borrowed a Paul Turner pipe. So that was the first, first exhaust I ran on, uh, on my quad. Nice. And, um, yeah. And then, uh, just, you know, went down to Anaheim. I was this, you know, what 19 year old kid, you know, wide eyed. And, um, you know, I never ridden this stadium before. And, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was quite an experience. And, you know, but back then it was, it was a bone stock, you know, air box lid was still on it. Stock carburetor, thumb throttle, handlebars, headlight. Everything was on there. And I remember going down this going down the straightaways and guys with, you know, like Charlie Shepard comes by me with a fully built, you know, CT race motor and just like clicking gears and I'm like stuck in second, you know. And um I was like, oh, I'm gonna need a little more power. But um, you know, went out to qualified and um then we um went out lined up for the uh, the heat race and I believe back then I think they took eleven um to the main event. And we take off, and there's a big pileup in the third turn. I come around. I'm maybe like in fifth place. I pass. There's a big pileup. And every lap, like two or three people are passing me. And um, and I think I held on for 10th or 11th. So I made the main event my first, uh, you know, my first my first race. Nice. And um, then I, yeah, then I got the bug, you know. Then I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is pretty fun. It's a lot better than going out of those motocross tracks. I like the stadium stuff a lot better. Right. And, um, yeah. So then for the next race, did a little bit of motor work and, uh, got a little more power and, you know, back then stock suspension, stock a arms. Um, we ran the, uh, the Riken, the one forty five ten uh, car tires. Yep. And we would uh, custom groove them. And I think pretty much at that point, everybody ran either turf tamers or uh, Hoosiers. Right. The, the tire yeah, the tri- of choice for the most part was the Hoosier, um, yep, the, tri- the Riken yep. front. Yep, the right in front of tri tracks in the rear, and you know, and if you're lucky, you got a you got yourself an Excalibur uh, axle, and um, but we still ran stock arms, stock shocks, and I'm you know I'm bottoming out like ah put some more preload in it, <laughs> you know it was basically like a pogo stick on the front of that thing, right? And uh, but you know that's that's how we did it back then. I think my first year I I made every single main event, and uh, I ended up I think 11th in points that first year, and. Um, Crazy thing, that first year when I raced, my racing number was 68. And uh, that's the number I'm, I'm currently using again, still. That's awesome. Got to keep the flow going, right? 
Yeah, that actually, that, that number started out back when I started racing the CMC races and you sign up, they give you, they just give you a, a number and it was uh, 680. So 680 was the number I ran on dirt bikes for a few years. And then when I was going to race that, uh, the Mickey Thompson race, like, oh, we don't do three digit numbers. Uh, you know, no, no area codes allowed on the, you know, on the track. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I'll take the zero away and I'll put 68 because it was easier just to cover up, you know, one, one number on my, on my jersey. Um, and um yeah so that first year and I, I think i got 11th and then did Mickey thompson for a while and it was it was a lot of fun great community um you know great racers really competitive and um i, yeah, I that think became the, i think the mickey stuff by far if you could take the racers of today and give them some of that they would they would totally flip out because it's clean it's quick the bikes don't get destroyed as bad. Um, the competition is great and you had to have skills. Yeah, to- no, no, definitely. I mean, there's definitely was a horsepower, um, you know, cause the tracks were fairly fast. They weren't super technical, but you, you had to make no mistakes. And, and I remember, you know, they were really strict on their technical side as far as, you know, displacement and, and making sure, you know, nobody was cheating, going strokers or big bore. Or anything like that and you know every race they would pretty much you know tear down the top three so you knew that if you were battling for a podium that you know keep it you push the limits um you know i ran with uh originally when i first moved to america across the street um there was a uh, um a guy named uh john studley oh, well he's he's still named john studley uh, <laughs> um but he was a uh, juvenile pro- uh, parole officer or probation officer and he was a, a, a motorhead, just a gearhead in his head. And he loved just helping out kids. And at that point, I was, you know, 15, 16, 16 17, and just racing a dirt bike. And I took an interest in learning because, um, you know, with a single mom, I didn't have a dad to rebuild my bikes and really couldn't afford to take it to, you know, the local shops to have him, you know, do top end. So I'm, I'm 13, 14 years old, <clears throat> you know, learning how to do my own, to- rebuild my top ends on a two stroke. And, um, once uh, I lived in San Jose and John from uh, JSE Engineering uh, kind of took me under his wing and, and I was in his garage asking questions and he, you know, he explained to me how cording works and I, you know, he would like literally take an old cylinder and cut it in half um, and draw on it and show me and then he would port one half, I would port the other half and that's kind of how I learned about flow and, um, and efficiency of engine and things like that. So when I'm on the track, I can communicate with you know, my engine builder and kind of explain where the power is, what it's doing, what's it not doing. And I think that's helped me quite a bit through my career. I'll be able to feel the bike, what I'm, you know, what I'm in and then communicate that with whoever's, you know, tuning the engine or tuning suspension or things like that. Cause I'm sure, you know, as, as, you know, as an engine builder, Oh, it's, it's too slow or it's not right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, yeah. what's it doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me some feedbacks that I can use. Uh, don't, don't confuse me with, with garbage. Just tell me what's going on so that I can answer your questions or solve your problem. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you know that, and, and I was, um, you know, I, I learned early on working with John that, that I could communicate and then we could, we could change things. And, you know, these are back in the, the, the two stroke days. And I remember the, um, the whale pipe. So the, the big Zeppelin pipe. So the big fat, remember those on the two yep. PRs? I remember the big giant pipes. And, um, you know, so again, you know, working with uh, an engine builder of, of saying, hey, where do I want the power to come in? How hard do I want to pull? And, 
being able to communicate made made that a lot, you know, made their life easier, and they could kind of. You hear. you spent a you spent a fair amount of your career with Alan, or almost all of it, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I was actually, um, I was with uh, LRD for a while. Okay. Um, and I, I um, yeah, Arlen Arlen Lehman, yeah, he, you know, they they ran some good stuff. Um, yeah, and then I got hooked up with Alan, and uh, we just kind of clicked. We're both kind of silly, goofy guys. Uh, you know, Alan can be, you know, he can be a character. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Um, luckily, I've always been on, on, you know, on Alan's good side, so I, ne- I never got any of his pranks, you know, on the back end. Um, but yeah, no, and that was a, a, a great, for us, it was a great relationship. And uh, again, working with Alan and, and just testing and development product. And like I said, you know, you guys working with riders for a long time and you, they can communicate with you so you know how to tailor their program or their, their setup. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's, I think one of the funnest things that you can do is, is you take a rider or you take a, an individual that uh, maybe doesn't have the same background as you. They can twist the throttle. They can, they can ride the bike, but they may not be able to give you the information and you get to teach them what exactly you're asking for and what you want them to, to, to bring back to the table so that they can, you can make their package better. That for me is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, true. But then you're also, sometimes you're kind of chasing yourself because you're trying to get them to explain, explain what it's doing. Um, And like, uh, you know, for instance, I talking about, uh, you know, come out of a corner, it's pulling hard. And depending on the track, if it's kind of loose, then I can grab another gear and it'll pull hard. But if it's, it's got a lot of traction, then since I grab another gear, it kind of falls flat on his face. So then, you know, do we, you know, add some compression to give a little more torque? Uh, do I just, do I got to hold it, hold it, hold the throttle on a few more, hundred RPMs. So I shift within the power curve. Um, and same thing with, with suspension. A lot of times it's, uh, like, oh, it's fading really bad. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it starts kicking me. And I'm like, I'm watching them. I'm watching them ride. I'm like, well, the first two laps you're standing up, and the last two laps you're sitting down. Of course, it's gonna, of course, it's gonna buck you and, <laughs> and feel like there's a rougher ride because you know yeah. you're sitting down over the bumps that you were standing up wheeling over, you know, two laps ago. Um, so um, raining, you know, that's where raining it in the Mickey's wasn't the big thing. The what? Being in good condition wasn't a big thing in the Mickey's. Um, no, you still have to be in shape because they were really intense races. They weren't super, super long, but they were intense. And, um, you know, you still had to train, you know, not like doing a, you know, a 30 minute national moto, but there were 12, 15 minute races and, um, and they, uh, they were definitely intense. So, and again, you know, back then we, the suspension wasn't the best on those bikes. Um, you know, I remember I'm like bottoming out and we, you know, oh, let's put a stiffer spring in it. You know, oh, we add more preload. We can't, oh, let's put a spacer behind the spring, you know, just so we get more preload on it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so no, the Mickeys are great. I mean, some of the great events, uh, you know, LA Coliseum racing up and down the peristyles. That you know, was awesome, just, wasn't it? Yeah. Just things like that. Thinking back, um, it was, it was pretty amazing. And, um, I was just kind of getting them on. I think I had seven, I think about seven second place, uh, finishes in the Mickey's. And then, um, in 1995, uh, at Anaheim, I, uh, I finally, uh, took a main event win. And that was, that was a crazy night. Cause, uh, a friend of mine, you know, 
you know, always, I was kind of, you know, single mom, you know, so she, uh, she did what she could, but most of the time going to races, it was just me going to the races by myself. And, and I was my own mechanic. And if some, a friend came and helped out, I was so appreciative. And I had a buddy might come um, to Anaheim and to help me out. And after practice, I think we, you know, or qualifying, we'd, you know, wash the bike or put a clean filter on or something. And uh, back in 250 hours, uh, the rear seat, the seat and the fender was all one piece. And um, everybody had their own little brackets or, you know, some kind of fastener to, to hold the seat on because they would fly off with the original, you know, little clamp thing they had on there. Right. And, um, well, he had, um, you know, we did something and I go out from a heat race and he forgot to put those, the, the, the clips in the seat to hold it down. So I, got, I think I go around the, the, the second or third turn and my whole seat and fender fly off in the heat race. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> yeah. And again, you know, being, you know, six, three plus, um, and then, um, every time I would kind of sit down a little bit of an angle, well, my, my leg is quite large. Uh, it would block off the uh, air box. So I couldn't sit down too much. Or if I'd hang off the sides, then, you know, the, the exhaust pipe was right there. So actually, uh, I think I ended up burning a hole in my pants. I actually got a burn on my leg and uh, <laughs> my leg, my legs were so tired after that race. I think I ended up getting. I think I was running a second. I was battling with like Shane hit and, uh, and, uh, I think Greg Stewart was in that heat and, um, I ended up getting third and then they did a, a three row inversion for the main event. So I started on the front row. I think I started next to Joe bird and, um, for the main event, I made sure I had my seat <laughs> bolted down really good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I got a great start and, uh, got out front and Joe was putting some pressure on me and, um, I was, little extra tired because I had rode that heat race with no seat. So, you know, my legs were burning and I had to hold on a little higher, little, hold on a little tighter with my hands. But, um, you know, I just kept it tight and, um, yeah, end up, end up holding Joe off and he was putting some really hard challenges on me. But that's that night in 1995, I won uh, my first, uh, you know, pro ATV main event. So that was pretty amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you could think back and, and maybe elaborate on the feeling that you had that night. Um, well, like I said, it was, it was kind of a crazy night cause with the, with the seat falling off. Um, and I think we were just debuting the, uh, cause, uh, CT Allen Oles, CT, uh, he just came off the, the pro cross, the pro X cylinder. Um, that was kind of his little baby and we'd be doing some testing on it. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> actually Joe Bird was on my team. He had to say, he had the same, uh, engine package as I did. So. Uh, luckily, we were both two bigger guys, so you know he wasn't pulling me. You know, you got a guy like Shane Hitt, Shane Hitt out there, you know that weighs nothing, and um, you know has a really good acceleration. But no, both me and Joe were just running hard, and and I just remember that last, you know, probably two laps. I just kept thinking, you know, don't make any mistakes, keeping his tight inside line, and he was he was you know trying to push me off the track or bump me. I mean, you know, he was racing for the win, and I was he might have been a little bit faster than me, but I was in I was in front, so I got you know I I, I choose the line, you know. And, um, yeah, I finally just came around the finish line and, uh, yeah, the feeling I was like, at first I didn't believe it, you know, and then, uh, get to go up and talk to, uh, uh uncle Joe Benson, who was the yeah. announcer. And, uh, that was great. And just, you know, being there and, um, just, you know, in front of well, what, like 40, 50,000 people, um, at that point. And, you know, actually winning a race, I was, it was pretty amazing. I, I felt pretty good. Um, so but it wasn't my first time being in front of, in front of a crowd because uh, probably about three years before that, um, I had started uh, working with Monster Jam and doing the uh, the quad war portion of uh, some of the shows. 
Right. So uh, at that point, I, I've been in front of a few stadiums. Um, so as far as being on, you know, getting on TV, talking on the talking on the microphone, it's nothing like that bothered me at all. You know, it wasn't like not, you know, you got Talladega Nights, you know, with Will, uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell going, I don't know what to do with my hands, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure, you know, interviewing people a lot of time is, is people don't know what to say. You know, it's like interviewing a kid, like, yep, nope, yep, good, nope. Um, so I, I was, I was really excited. And, 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 uh, I think from there we went to, um, uh, San Diego and, uh, I believe I got third in San Diego and then we went to Seattle and I think I got second or third in, in Seattle. And, um, I think Doug actually might've won Seattle on that. He was on the Banshee then. Yep. Exactly. Um, yep. And then, um, I think I got second behind him. So I was, I was, I think I was second in points. Everybody's really close in the following race. Um, was supposed to be in uh, San Jose, California. So it was my home, my home race, my home track. First time they're going to San Jose. Uh, probably had a hundred tickets you know, already bought through, uh, you know, through Mickey Thompson. And I think two weeks before that, we, you know, got a letter um, stating that the Mickey Thompson group had, you know, had folded. And kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of pulled the rug out from a lot of people. So, you know, <clears throat> at the eleventh hour, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go race nationals. <laughs> So uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going back there. So grabbed two of my quads and um, still went back east and just started trying to do some nationals. I went to Muddy Creek and unfortunately I crashed and, and broke my hand um, in the race. So it kind of pushed me back a little bit. But before that, you know, I'd gone back in the Loretta's and things like that. Um, and I want to say it was next year I did a, pretty much a full year of the, of the nationals. And again, it was a uh, I was, I had an open, uh, cause CT built, the the 330 or 350 big board kit with the power valve. And, um, I ran that. And again, I was up against Doug on his, uh, Lager Banshee. So him and me were going back and forth the whole year. So it was, uh, quite, quite, quite fun. That was, that was some fun times back then. We, uh, I really enjoyed traveling back East and doing the nationals. Um, not everybody remembers because, you know, it was 20 some years ago that we did that. Yeah, I know. And even, you know, and even like battling with Doug, it's, uh, you know, speaking of uh, some fun races, uh, Pont de Vaux, I've done that. Uh, I think I went back three, three or four times. I went back. And um, the last, last year, I think I went, no, no I might have gone, uh, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, all done together. But uh, I know Doug won that thing multiple times. I think he's got a record for, you know, not many, too many wins on that thing. Seven. Um, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean that guy's—he's he's a legend in himself, and we've had some really good battles throughout the years. And um, I think the best I did was uh, it was me, Greg Stewart, and Justin Reed, and we finished third one year. And for us, that was that was really good. That was really exciting. Well, you know, I mean, finishing third in Pontevu is is quite the accomplishment. You know, you can't take anything away. Twelve hours, the speeds that you travel, what you'd have to go through with the equipment and the preparation, and then the team you have to have in the pits helping you—it's a big accomplishment. Oh yeah, and then that's where you know I, I went out with uh, every year I went. I was you know working with Alan Knowles, and he had a, he had his little his team over there in Italy and in France, and and we had some you know we had some good backing and some support when we were there. So it was that was nice thing going there. We always knew we had good equipment but like like you know i'm sure you spent a few years there and, and uh you never know what's going to happen you spend all that time and preparation and you know a bolt comes out of your sprocket you know and then and it can ruin your whole weekend you know yeah yeah i mean uh one year uh they were leading the race and the uh impeller gear on the water pump on the banshee failed yeah 
you know, with, with just, with just a very short time to go in the race. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that race was, I mean, some of those mud, some of the rain we had in the mud, it was just so horrible. And, uh, and then the speed of that track, I mean, we're talking, you know, we're on these built banshees and, and we're, you know, we're probably hitting hundred miles an hour going down some of these straightaways. And, um, as the rate goes along, you're just zigzagging through, you know, some team out there on a blast of 200, <laughs> you know, and, um, it kind of became like you're playing frogger or just darting around and, and you're battling with somebody and who can get around these people the fastest. And then, you know, you want to do everything to stay out of the pits. Cause you would lose probably two minutes, I think two, two and a half minutes. If you go in the pits, cause the right. pit, the pit straight away, it was so long. There's so many teams. There's what, 120 teams, I believe. Uh, it varies from year to year, but that's, that's about right. Yeah. No. And, um, you know, so the pits, the pits were so long, so you want to stay out. So then we put bigger gas tanks on and then now you're out there riding wide open for two, two and a half hours. So you got to come in and get fuel and, and, and change riders. And, uh, yeah. The, the things were amazing. The first year I'm there, I I'm staying in a motorhome or camper or whatever it is. And I hear this banging noise. And these guys next to us on a flatbed trailer with a, an arc welder and his quad, and they're welding the front end together that's made out of square tubing and angle iron. And I'm thinking, he's not actually going to ride that thing, is he? And they <laughs> and it, was probably like a three, it was probably a three-wheeler conversion or something, right? Um, it had a street bike motor and oh. uh, I mean, it was just, it was like, they thought they were going to come and race that the night before. And they were just tacking pet parts together to put it out <laughs> on the track. Yeah. And then I remember, uh, Bill Vanderlaan and Hollis, his VLS, those things were monsters. Oh, that guy was, that was, that guy was old then. And he was killing yeah. me. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, actually, uh, about Five years ago, I believe I did a um, I did a monster jam in in Holland, and uh, I invited him out, um, you know, as my guest to the show, and uh, yeah, so it was good. It was good to see him, you know, again after you know maybe ten fifteen years of uh, you know seeing him at, at Pont de Vaux, and then actually be able to you know go hang out and have have a beer and a pizza with him and talk about old times, and man, that guy that guy's a beast. Oh, it was was I mean I know he was older, but he was probably still a beast then you know, in probably pretty great, great shape. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal. I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, this is back when, you know, 30 was old. Yeah. And, well, he's and, probably his forties then, you know, <laughs> exactly. And, and he just kept hammering it. And yeah, he's gotta be, he's gotta be in his late sixties by now. I'm thinking, uh, I would bet because he was older than everybody there. Yeah. And he was fast and, and his bikes are so <laughs> fast. I mean, he had the highest top speed of anybody, but Unfortunately, sometimes they, they, I don't think he ever won it. Um, but, um, you know, didn't his bikes are always into, super. Didn't they run into bike problems most of the time? <clears throat> I yeah, know they had a couple kind of issues too. Yeah, but engine issues. And, you know, he, they, it was kind of cool back in the day because the Europeans, they couldn't import some of the stuff. So they kind of built their own. And that's where, where, where Bill came in, you know, and, and he, he made his own chassis and took the KTM dirt bike motors. And, and he started from scratch and made his own chassis because it was so hard for them back then to get parts. Um, cause you no, know, the companies wouldn't import them uh, as far as the uh, manufacturers. Cause I'm sure you guys did the same thing. You'd, you'd build a, a fully set up 
you know, Banshee or whatever here in the States and you'd ship it over and the thing would be sold before you even raced it. Most of the time. Yes. I mean, I, I remember when you'd get ready for rendezvous that your, your boxing completes, you know, they go together a portion of the way and then we would ship them. And Martin Fletcher would have the machines, some of the machine there and he did the brake systems and, you know, cause we ran dual front calipers and they were running, um, five thirty chains. So you had custom counter chef sprockets and, and they were running LT 500 axles with different, with different calipers and things like that and, and carriers. Uh, so he was doing all kinds of different stuff back then. And, and that was later on in, in the time because, uh, when they first went over there and when the first time Doug and, and Mark won, it was on a Lager front end with Olene shocks. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know, 1993. Wow. Yeah. No, it's definitely, um, yeah. And then the yeah, other one for years and what's it that? I thought it was earlier than that. No, the first year they went was in 92 on a 250 R. Okay. And in the, I think it was the night session, uh, they packed the radiator full of mud and it was wet and cold. And so it wasn't a problem. The next day it had hardened and dried and they didn't oh, yeah. washed out and it didn't take long to cook that motor. Yeah. I remember before the race, you know, cause we finished and we have to put them in impound and then, you know, before the race we'd actually, as soon as we put them in impound, we'd look at them over and then we try to, after we're rolling from impound back to starting line again, you would like, you know, try to, <laughs> you know, move something with our hands or tighten a bolt here or, or, you know, do some things we need, we need to fix. So then they, you know, they'll come yell at you, don't touch your bike, don't touch your bike. And then those starts, they were crazy. You'd have to run across the track and hop on and, uh, and fire it up. And I remember a couple of times, you know, we're usually would qualify towards the front, but you know, 120 quads, that, that line was, it was a full on drag race quarter mile straightaway just with 120 quads lined up. And I remember in the past, the guy would be like, get ready, set. And then like people in the back were already running and starting their bikes, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And they're like, well, I don't want to go early because then I, don't, I might get a time penalty, but I'm like looking back and I'm already seeing quads, you know, they're already in third gear, fourth gear by the time I move. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you shake yeah, your race, head like, really? Yeah. That race was, uh, it was, it was intense. It was, it was definitely some good times and, uh, just the culture over there. I, I love traveling. And kind of brought me home from, you know, Sweden. Um, I'm sure you go and you've gone over there like, uh, I don't understand the language. What do I eat? Where do we sleep? <laughs> what does this mean? Um, In the beginning, I would always, you know, be all fretting and worried about things. Now when I go, I don't even care. What, yeah. you know, there's always somebody there that's going to get you where you need to be. They're yeah, always yeah. going to get you some food. And and now things have changed so much that they speak 10 different languages when you go into restaurants. So you, so you really don't have to worry much. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, in South America, I went to Dakar um, in 2013. And the team that I went with, we did all, we worked everything out on email. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, and, and when, when he'd order parts, everything was done via email, never even thought because it's, you know, perfect English on the email. I never even thought they <laughs> couldn't speak English. 
Yeah. I get off the plane and I walk up. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, you don't speak Spanish? No, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you didn't ask me if I spoke Spanish. Yeah. Um, so we had to get it. We had to get an interpreter and, and, uh, you know, most of the, you, you know, when you're working on a quad, you don't really need to talk, you know, you no, no, no. Hold up wrenches and, you know, and, and your, your hands and your grunts are, are making all the noises and, and, and anybody that knows how to work on when with you knows what you're talking about. Oh yeah. No, it, it's, and I, I've noticed that, even, you know, being, even going back to Sweden, cause I saw my dad still lives there. I saw lots of, you know, family and friends over there. Um, just, you know, once the internet age hit, English became much more, you know, easier everywhere. Um, and, uh, they use a lot more English words now. So going back the, for me, the language has changed. Um, but even back then when I would travel to France, I didn't have a problem because I was born and raised in Europe. So for me, it was a lot easier. I remember traveling with, um, you know, some of the other American, American riders that, you know, that never left the country, you know, last, yeah. you know, the furthest they went was, you know, little red lens in Tennessee or, <laughs> you know, and they're over there, you know, trying to order some ass. Can I have some more ass please for McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, so yeah, it was definitely, um, a cooler experience. I'm like, relax guys. They're not being rude to you. They just don't understand you. And by you yelling at them, they're not going to understand you any, any more or less. So Right. It was definitely, definitely some, you know, some coaching them and growing pains, but everybody was usually really friendly over there. Um, you know, speaking of traveling, I, I did, um, you know, skipping forward a few years, but when Cannondale came out and um, I was riding Cannondale, there's a, uh, there's a rider in Dominican Republic. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, they knew I raced Cannondale and he was racing Cannondale. So they actually flew me down there for a week. And uh, I was kind of like helping him, showing him how to work on the quads, the Cannondales, and also coaching him on, on, on riding. And um, that was interesting because, you know, we're down in, in, you know, in a different, I'm in a different country. I don't speak a language. And we go to this racetracks, kind of like a TT style track. And he had a couple of quads, so he let me ride one. And, um, you know, we're out there, we're, we're racing. And um, they, were, they were good riders, but, you know, at that point, you know, early two thousands, um, you know, they weren't our caliber riders that we were, you know, we have here. So I kind of got the lead and I think I, I might've backed off and let, let the kid win. And he had actually ended up winning the championship that year, that year after I was down there. But, you know, I was there by myself for a week, didn't speak the language. Um, but you know, there was always someone looking out for me. So it was, it was, it was good. And I, I love going to different countries and that's where, um, you know, working all these years with, uh, the monster jam people, and being able to do the quad wars. I've probably been to 20 something countries doing shows and it's, it's been a really fun and, um, you know, and long career. That's awesome. Um, that they still, are they still doing that or is that, is that had disbanded? Um, well, so basically backing up, you know, back in 1991, I just, um, I was racing quads, you know, I've been doing a couple of years of Mickey's doing the Golden State Nationals and I was watching TV and I saw an ad for a monster truck show in Sacramento and they said quad wars. So I'm like quads, you know, at that point I'm, you know, I'm 21 and 22 years old, 21. I'm like, I want to ride my quad in, you know, in Sacramento arena. So, um, and back then it was 411 calling the box office, you know, took me probably two days to figure out who to get a hold of and who to talk to. And I got a hold of somebody and, um, the person that was in charge, the coordinator, he, you know, kind of explained to me briefly what it was. And, um, 
you know, we're there to put on a show for the fans, you know, part of them. Also, you know, I'm not a, not a halftime show. Cause we got three, four times in that show. So we were part of the show. And, um, I went up there and, um, him and I just kind of clicked and we went out and we battled crowd gets all into it. I'm like, this was kind of fun. You know, it's like you get to be in front of a crowd and you know, there's no, no pressure, no stress and you get to have fun. So I did a few shows for him that year and then um, a few more shows next year. And finally um, I, they pretty much said, well, Nick, if you're on the West coast, why don't you run these shows? So I pretty much became the coordinator for monster jam on the West coast. And um, I did that for years. And I, you know, if it wasn't racing, I've done a show in pretty much any state, any major stadium on, on the West Coast, up and down the coast, you know, from Seattle Kingdom down to, you know, the Ice Center in San Diego and Jack Murphy Qualcomm, you know, Dodger Stadium, LA Coliseum. So things like that. I've, I've definitely um, done some real good stuff. And then they asked me if I knew anybody internationally. I said, yeah. So um, I started working with them and doing international. So I started bringing some of my riders or some local riders. And I would do the, the quad portion uh, internationally. And that was great. Cause then I, you know, friends here, I could bring with me and Hey, you guys want to go, you know, you, you want to go to Australia for three weeks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and uh, you know, Costa Rica and, and a few things like that. And, and being with Monster Jam at some point, I was like, you know, I want to drive a monster truck. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. So, they flew me out to uh, the Digger Dungeon in um, was that North Carolina, I think he was at. Um, and I did some tests. And then they had a, they started doing some international Monster Jam shows. So I went to Sweden and I, was, and I got to drive a monster truck in, uh, in Sweden. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Is that yeah. the only time and you actually, guys drive it? Is it is just the Sweden one? Uh, no, so I did that. And actually, it's kind of funny. They were having quads at, at that show also, but I couldn't ride the quad because I was driving a truck. So I coordinated uh, with some Swedish uh, ATV riders and um, I got the two teams together. So I was kind of working on coordinating them together while I was, you know, getting ready to, you know, to drive the truck. And um, another time we were in Costa Rica and uh, we were doing, um, we were doing a show and I think we'd done one or two shows. And then um, one of the monster truck drivers had a hard, had a hard landing or something. I wasn't feeling quite well. So like Nick, to bring your gear, I'm like, yep. Yeah, all right, you're driving Monster Energy truck tonight, so you know, no practice, no preparation. I literally had an hour and a half to get ready and, and flip my mind around to go out, get off an ATV, and now I'm driving a Monster truck on the on the same night. So it was uh, that was a, definitely a challenging uh, challenging weekend. Well, don't they have? Uh, are, are the harnesses set up so that? Uh, I mean, I all you guys aren't universal. You're a big dude. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, the guy that that was driving it, he was he was probably you know six two, kind of a good sized guy. Yeah, there's some tiny tiny people out there, and I wouldn't fit. Most of it's in the seat. The seat's kind of a custom fit, uh, but you can they have a lot of padding they bring with you. So we had to do a couple little changes. Um, I wasn't super comfortable, but it, it was good enough for me to kind of just get out there and do the show. Because for them, it was more important to have the full field of trucks running versus having one less ATV guy out there. Right. And, um, and then I've actually, I've gone back and I think three other times. So a total of four times I've driven uh, trucks in Sweden. And a um, couple, last time I did, we ended up doing, it was a two times, uh, it lands, but uh, Feld started doing what they called a, a triple threat to where the same driver would uh, drive a monster truck, drive a side by side, and also ride an ATV all in the same night. And you're running back and forth. You, you're you're hopping in your riding gear. You're putting on your driving suit. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like 
oh shit, am I putting you know driving shoes or riding boots and trying to figure out which helmet you're wearing and, and <laughs> like that. And uh, it was pretty funny. And, and we, you know, and on the ATV portion, because um, some of the drivers for a year, so I'm like, oh, you're just like a quad war guy, you know, it's all set up, you know, it's just a show. And I go out there on the quads and I, you know, show them I actually kind of knew how to, uh, you know, actually really twist the throttle too. So yeah, I think I won every single ATV race. I, I did that. Now on the monster trucks, I didn't win. Um, because doing it, you know, once a year, once every other year, the muscle memory's not there and you don't know where to push it. And basically the first time I'm in the truck is when I when they open the doors and the crowd's there and you go out and you know, you line up for your race. Um so it's a little little, little intimidating hopping in a, you know, quarter million dollar, fifteen hundred horsepower monster truck, you know, with spotlights on you and they're like, Go race it. <laughs> did you did it finish? Oh yeah, no, I, I had some decent finishes. Um and um I just wasn't battling for for the foot overall win, but at some point I think I was I was leading the points throughout the night because with my ATV win and with the side by sides and you know I might have got one you know maybe got second or third in the donuts or something like that and um, but no I, I usually had a good time and they usually gave me the ones with the crazy bodies like El Diablo or Captain's Curse so they would kind of <laughs> let me know like well that's an expensive body so you know. Go out there and put on a good show, but would really like to drive it back in the rig to you know drive it back in the in the trailer so we can don't have to repair the body. So basically, yeah, I, I didn't get I didn't get the clear light to go do any backflips. <laughs> would you have liked to have tried it? Yeah, why not? <laughs> hey, uh, I believe that. I believe that. Yeah, I've seen you jump a quad farther than any sane man should with. <laughs> You, Doug, and oh, gosh, who was it that was out there with you? I can't remember who was who was you. You it was you, Doug, and somebody else battling at, when we were out at Mesquite. Oh, Mesquite! Oh, yeah, they used to have a huge tabletop out there. Oh yeah, and you just freaking would launch off that thing. I mean, in your sky, and that was a very impressive jump. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I've always liked jumping and being a bigger guy, I guess I'm not really made to fly, but uh, I've, I've done all right. Um, and, you know, going back and thinking about the ATV stuff is I pretty much started with dirt bikes and I got an ATV, did that for a while. Then I um, switched over to, I raced uh, watercraft jet skis for a while. Really? Yeah, I did that. I actually had a, actually, I was a Polaris factory racer for, for watercraft um back in 1997 1998 really yeah how'd you how'd you so end up? um well i never i won the novice 1200 world series called uh, prototype which uh they they made a lot of uh, you know exhaust chambers for uh, uh well they made a lot of the, the turner pipes right. um and uh, they made like you know pro circuit stuff. They made the stampings and things like that. And we actually ended up making a set of, of uh, they call it dry pipes. So it's based on a watercraft. They inject water into it because it's under the hole and it gets really really hot. Um, so a dry pipe is you make it the, the correct expansion chamber. Then you build a shell on the outside, and you put the water in that. That way the water's not going into the into the flow of the exhaust to mess up the you know the power to put the curve. Right. So I had this Polaris 1050 triple cylinder with triple dry pipes. This thing was just a beast. And uh, it didn't handle worth the crap. It was kind of like trying to race a DS650, <laughs> you know, with a, <laughs> uh, you know, with a with crazy amount of horsepower in it. You know? And um, I ended up winning the Novice 1200 uh, championship that year. And then um, the following year, I, you know, I think I raced the 785 Pro Class. 
and uh, had a couple of mechanical issues and, um, you know, back into the ATVs. And then um, I ended up uh, racing shifter carts for a while, did go-karts. So, yeah, I pretty much raced a lot of different things. <laughs> so if you take the transition from the UTV and the ATV and maybe even the motorcycles, do you still get the same adrenaline rush or the same fix driving the car versus riding? Yeah, it's, it can be, depending on, depending on the day. Um, you know, going back and up, you know, people say, you know, the time and effort. Well, you know, eight, being racing professionally, ATV racing, you spent four days practicing and going to the gym and, um, you know, and then you go race on the weekends. Whereas on side by sides, uh, you're pretty much spending the same amount of time, but you're working on it in the garage <laughs> and then you go race it on the weekend. Uh, you don't have to be in as good a shape. You're still going to be in a, a decent amount of shape. Um, but yeah, it's still a lot of fun. Um, go karts are, Go-karts are pretty fun. That was, you know, you're really low to the ground going really fast, but, you know, monster trucks, that's definitely a, a rush, but you kind of long for the ride a little more on the monster truck. Um, what I'm feeling racing UTVs now is the, the, there's no body input. There's no control in your body. So on a dirt park or a quad, you can whip it, throw it over, bring it back, push it down, wheelie over this bump. Uh, you're in a lot more control on, you know, on something with handlebars versus a steering wheel. Does that, does that affect your fun meter per se? Um, where it affects my fun meter is where I can't, my personal input is not as, um, it doesn't have as many, much percentages versus um, how, how the setup on my, on my car is. So it's, it's less driver and more equipment versus on a dirt bike or a quad. You know, you could put me on, on the best dirt bike out there and then take, you know, John Tomac and put him, put him on, a, on, a, on, a, on a pit bike. And he'll still probably beat me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, versus take, you know, some, you know, some 15-year-old kid and put him in, you know, put him in, you know, Bob Aaron's, uh pro stock car. You know, and then put me in a, a, a you know, a basic car and that kid would probably beat me because his equipment is so much better that I, that my skills can't overcome what the equipment does versus on a dirt bike or on a, on an ATV. Right. Your personal, your personal input and your choices and body positioning can make a bigger difference. So you can have, you can race a dirt bike or a quad with lesser, less, lesser equipment and still do good because right. it's more of the, the rider versus racing, you know, like cars or, or even somebody, I mean, you even watch you know, Formula One, Obviously, Lewis Hamilton is a great driver, but he's also on the best equipment. Right. So he's going to win all the time to where you have great drivers, you know, Kimi Raikkonen, he's a multi-time world champion, and he's, you know, barely crack, you know, barely making points, top 10, because his equipment's not there. Um, so same thing kind of going into, you know, anything with a steering wheel, it, there's definitely less personal input, rider input. Um, so, yeah, and then but backing up, yeah, did a go-karts for a while. And then um, living in Vegas, um, we had the state line supermotor race. And I kind of, because coming from dirt bikes to quads, I think it definitely helped me versus people just go straight into quads because I knew how to kind of pick lines on dirt bikes. And then um, once I'd already done the go-kart stuff, so I learned how to drive on pavement in my go-kart. 
And then when Supermoto came along, I fell in love. That was probably some of the most fun I've had was the Supermoto stuff when I, when I did all those races. Yeah, I always wanted to try that out because, you know, I'd done so much testing in our facility in Santee where I would ride on concrete and asphalt a lot. And yeah. I thought, you know, gosh, I, I got to go out and try this. Unfortunately, never did get to. You know, <laughs> yeah. More time. But Doug came, out a, Doug came out a few times and, and tried it. And he was like, that's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, it's a totally different world. Um, yeah. They have so some I, stuff I actually, over in Europe that, uh, God, what did they call it over? And they didn't call it Supermoto and, and, and Supermotard. Motard, yeah. Yeah. That, Motard, was, yeah. that was totally different stuff, too. Yeah. But what I like here is I, I used some of my, my go kart, you know, driving skills that I learned from doing that and I applied it. And uh, I would basically, you know, get the setup uh, as good as I can for the pavement because you're spending 70% of the time on the pavement versus 30% on the dirt. And I would just kind of make it where I didn't suck too bad on the dirt. <laughs> um, and I was still hucking big doubles or triples or wheeling through the whoops or what they had, but I pretty much concentrated my tire setup and my, and my suspension mostly for pavement. And, you know, I think, uh, I think I won the state line race, maybe five, five or six years. And then, um, one year I went back to Nashville for the AMA national championship. I actually, in 2006, I won the, uh, AMA, um, supermoto national ATV championship. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then in between that, I started doing desert racing. Um, so I did that for a few years and um, started on Cannondales. And uh, we actually won, uh, me and Sean Moore, we uh, went to Mexico when Best and Desert went there once or twice. And we actually ended up, we ran expert and we won overall ATVs on the Cannondales. We actually finished on it. Um, and then Sean and I rode Yamas for a while. And finally, I got hooked up with Greg Stewart. And, um, I think I want to say it was maybe oh six, yeah, maybe oh seven. Greg and I finally, you know, hooked up for the desert, and um, then uh, Greg's dad, which is fifty Honda. Yeah, well, you know, Greg's dad's kind of like the mad scientist. You know, right? he's he's a smart he's a smart man, and you know, we worked with Lager and we built this, uh, you know, chassis. Basically, it was like a Raptor chassis with Protex front end and a no link rear end, and I think I had Raptor six hundred plus. We had like a seven gallon gas tank on that thing. And uh, with the XR650, first year we had some some teething problems. I think second year we did good. Uh, third year, I think we end up we won every single race in, of that year. And in 2009 and 2010, uh, we won the Best of Pro Quad Championship. That's awesome. Yeah. So and, and you got back. hurt, and you got hurt, and that started Danny Prather's career in in Best in the Desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was still racing desert, but he was with um, somebody else. Yeah, and Danny rode for me, and then I think Greg got hurt once, and then me and Danny rode. Um, yeah, so Dan, that's how Danny kind of came in on it. And then uh, I think when, when me and Greg were out there, pretty much, you know, I mean, that's the funny thing about desert. It's, there's, you know, you can have a good equipment, but there's usually a better rider and then a not, not as good of a rider. Right. So uh, it took Greg and me years to team up. And then once we teamed up, we were pretty much unstoppable. You know, if we didn't break, we won. And it was too it fast was nice. one team. Well, that, that's the thing. Usually you have one guy that carries the team and then, you know, somebody else doesn't, that's not quite as fast. So then the other guy has to work twice as hard, but I could get off the bike and I knew Greg was going to go out there and make up time 
and bring it to the finish, you know, and then he would get off knowing that I was going to make up time and bring it to the finish. So it was never like, uh, you know, some days I'll be like, well, maybe I'll do an extra hundred miles to give us a little extra chance of getting towards the front. Um, Cause right. I felt maybe I was a little bit better than my, than my, than my teammate. And I wanted like, I wanted us to win, but I also want to win, you know, I want to win. Right. So if I figured if I, if I, you know, if I stayed on an extra pit or added a little bit of length to my, my section, maybe that would give us a, ch- a better chance, you know, towards the end. So once, once I jumped on with Greg, um, you know, we both kind of, well, you know, it was a, pretty much a, a, a dream team, so to speak. Right. A uh, 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 one, two punch. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely great. So yeah, thinking back, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I started dirt bikes, I went to ATVs, then I switched over to jet skis, watercraft, then back to ATVs. And then I did shift the cars for a while, then back to ATVs. So I was always doing something, but I was always coming back to doing ATVs. And when all those years, um, you know, I always had the, you know, the, a lot of the Monster Jam uh, shows to to do. And then, you know, then work started. I started doing some work races. You know, I even won um, uh, one year actually. Uh, it was in Havasu. It was super super rainy, yep. and it was uh, me and Doug were battling it out. And I was on a Cannondale. I ended up winning that race because uh, yep. I think Doug sucked. Doug sucked some water. Yep. On his uh, on you know his some. You know, you guys built some crazy, you know, 520, 400 EX, you know. <laughs> um, and I think he sucked some water and ended up winning, you know, winning that work race. And I think I won another work race in, uh, in Pismo Beach. That was, that was a fun race, too, was racing at Pismo. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, thinking back, sometimes I, I literally have to look, look at my wall of shame and, and, and remember, you know, where, where what's going on. And then, um, yeah, and then transitioning, you know, towards futures. Um, I saw the side by side started coming in and, you know, again, I was like, well, was, you know, still racing pro quads. And, um, I drove my buddies. Uh, I used to have a rhino, but they really weren't that competitive, you know, and they were racing them. I'm like, ah, it doesn't look fun. And then I drove my buddies, uh, uh, racer 800 S I'm like, Oh, this thing's pretty fun. So I ended up trading one of my race quads for a razor 800. So I think 2012 and 13, I was actually racing pro quads and side by side, kind of like Bo Barron does now. I was actually okay. out there racing, racing both classes. That's awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. And then I think 2013, I think it was on my, on my 900. I won my first, you know, pro UTV race and oh, great. You know, then I was hooked on that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, sometimes I'm like, could I just gone out there and sucked and done really bad. And I got like ninth every race the first two years. And then, you know, I could have moved on to something else, <laughs> but you know, I went out there and I, I figured out how to drive and I kind of enjoyed it. And, um, you know, at that point I had a few more knee surgeries and a broken femur and, you know, broken back and a few injuries. So, um, you know, I didn't mind that, you know, strapping in what, you know what they say with age comes to cage, right? That's what they say. I'm not, I'm not ready to give up and get in a cage yet, but I don't, <laughs> I don't ride to the level that you ever did, nor do I ride as much. So I, I think yeah. I'm knock on wood, I'm still safe. Yeah, no, I, I, I still enjoy when I get to, you know, I'll go to do the monster jam. It's been about a year or so since we've done, I've done that. Cause they're kind of, they were, they were switching their, their style or their program up you know because before we'd always have quads and pretty much all the shows and then i even did um i did some shows where we had side by sides like in san diego and reno and anaheim uh dodger stadium so i've I've done some you know some weekends i was i was doing quads and side by sides on the same night (laughs) you know yeah you know god forbid they need me to drive a monster truck that night you know (laughs) that that's that well you already did the triple the, the triple threat deal where you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, three, yeah. So. 
Yeah, I did that in uh, yeah in in, um, in Sweden and Finland. That's what I what I did that the triple threat. I drove the the El Diablo, uh, you know, team. I was team El Diablo, and then even one year when they had first just started doing the the triple threat with the ATVs, and they had a European tour, and they were going they were in Spain, and at that point they didn't have that many people that could actually drive a truck and ride a quad because they had some of the monster truck drivers, but they weren't comfortable riding an ATV. And ATV riders didn't know how to drive a truck because they kind of, you know, they kind of want you to know what you're doing a little bit when you're hopping in a quarter million dollar truck in a in a stadium <laughs> with, you know, 50,000 people there. Yeah, yeah, um, I bet. Yeah, so I actually ended up, they, I, I ended up flying to, uh, to Spain and I was in uh, uh, Valencia and Madrid and I basically just got to hang out. And I was just a backup in case one of those 10 riders got injured. I could hop in because there wouldn't be enough time for them to bring some, fly somebody over from the States. Right. So, um, you know, just the fact that I was knowledgeable doing all those three, I just went over as, as a backup. And um, we were supposed to go to Barcelona, um, but I ended up leaving early because I had to go do a show in the Philippines <laughs> on quads. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was jet-setting all over the place. And I, you know, done some amazing shows, and I really appreciate it of, of the travel I've got to do, uh, you know, going to Abu Dhabi. I even went to uh, Saudi Arabia in uh, Riyadh. And um, we were like the first you know, monster truck show that was ever there. And, and cause there had been a really restrictive, you know, country and they're kind of opening up and bringing things in. So just seeing the cultures, I love going to different countries and just seeing the cultures and, and, and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's been a great career and I don't think I'm done yet. I had a little setback this last year, last year but um, yeah, no, I don't think I'm done yet. I'm, I still got it. You know, it's still gas is still in my blood. You know, I got to burn it off somehow. That's good. I don't, I don't want you to be done yet. I still enjoy w- watching you drive and, and, and ride. I'm sure you can still hang with them for a little bit. Hey, well, my, my brain is definitely faster than my body right now. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I've been at the last few rounds and, you know, I mean, yeah, some of these guys are, are so fast. Like Bo, he's just so smooth. You know, Bo Barron, he's, you know, he's a master. He's, he's just smooth. He keeps you know, plugging away. But, you know, some of the younger kids now, they're, they're definitely going fast. But um, I can, I'm still out there watching. I'm like, oh, I would, I would take this line. I would do it that way. You know, and like in my mind, I'm, I'm way faster. But, you know, put me on my quad and give me, you know, one lap. I'll be, you know, my skirt's going to get caught in the chain. I'll be, you know, <laughs> falling off. Exactly. Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking some time with me. It, it's been a real honor. Um, I've got to chew some of the same dirt with you and, and spend some time going to the places that you've gotten to go and watch. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we've known each other. I mean, you know, we were never like best bros, but we've always had a good, a good professional relationship. You know what I mean? It's, it's always, uh, you know, it's always been great. Mutual respect. You know, we, we've been competitors most of the time. Um, And uh, yeah, but there's never been an issue, mutual respect and just, you know, just, you know, the race family, it's just the good people in the race family. It's, it's really nice to have friends that long that, you know, five, 10 years from now, you know, we might see each other. Hey, bud, how you doing? And, and it'll be like, we never, you know, it'd be like seeing each other in France, you know, 20 years ago. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I've always liked about the ATV world, we were competitors, but when you needed, you needed. And, and we were always there. Everybody was always there for one another. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, I, and I always tried to be, you know, I, I don't think I was a jerk at the track. I always tried to talk to everybody and be happy Sometimes people were maybe held to themselves, but maybe that's how they how had they dealt with the situation or with the weekend. Um, you know, I'm always like wishing, you know, I'm getting ready to go out to qualify. I'm going down the line, you know, 
giving people high fives and telling them good luck. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Um, Nick, so, you're, you're two heads taller than 80% of the people at the race. That's and true. you outweigh them by, you know, 60 to 100 pounds. Most people were just too scared to say hi. <laughs> Well, at least I smiled when I said hi to him. I, I guess I should have tried. Inti- I guess I should have tried intimidation tactics, but a little late now. You know, I'm now. I, you know, I'm more of a lover than a fighter. In the in the fairy tales, the giants would smile before they ate the people. Oh, that's true. Huh? You're right. Uh, well, maybe I, maybe I did that a few times. <laughs> Brother, thank you so much for coming on ATV Talk. And well, thanks so please, much for having me. It's been, it's been a great time. Well, please know that I'm probably going to call on you again. Because I, I know we only touched the tip of the iceberg on half of the things that you've gotten to do. Very true. You know, so I want to make sure that uh, when I reach out again, that uh, we can do this and, and uh, get some more stories out of you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm game. You know, we'll see how the, uh, you know, we'll see how you edit me, how you make me look after this. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. But here's, here's the thing. If there's no disruptions in the audio, as we spoke is how it will play. Awesome. Awesome. I don't, it's your story, man. I don't want to change it. I don't want to change anything about it. Um, and you, you just, uh, you told a great story and I really appreciate it. I, I, uh, I appreciate it. All right, brother. I'm going to let you go with your night and I got some more work to do. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to checking it out. uh, (laughs) Once you know, once it comes out, I'll, I'll spread a word and uh, get, you know, get people to listen to it and see what they say. I'll be in touch with you because I'll let you know when it's going to air. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Have a great night. Thanks. Uh, you too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.